podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to an Anfield Rap Special. I'm pleased to be joined again by Neil Dockin and uh, another wrestling superstar, Liverpool's number one podcast. Now, welcome to Liverpool's number one wrestler and the UK's number one wrestler, uh, WWE NXT UK star Zach Gibson. Zach, welcome to the show. No, thanks for having me. It's easy for you to say that. There you go. I did in the end, didn't I? <laughs> for those not listening, this is the eighth take. <laughs> but, you know, um, so yeah, with that in mind, uh, Neil Dockin, I'm going to hand over to you. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm delighted to have you here on, on the show today Zach wanted to talk to you uh, in the wake of the uh, second WWE United Kingdom Championship Tournament where you had an incredible time um, and just wanted to really get people to hear a little bit about your story and, and where you've come from to the position you're in now where you're one of the top wrestlers in the whole of Europe yeah I mean it's, uh, it's everything I ever wanted to do in my life I've been obsessed with wrestling since I can remember since I was about 10 years old, that was when I first started watching it. And this is all I ever wanted to do. I wanted to be a wrestler. Any wrestler in the world wants to wrestle for the WWE. Yeah. Some of them will go online and blag that they want to wrestle somewhere else. Or you know, talking, talking nonsense. WWE is the leading brand in sports entertainment. Always has been, always will be. And to actually stand here now, well, I say stand, to sit here now, talk to you two and be able to say, I'm WWE NXT UK's Zach Gibson. That, that's everything I ever wanted to say. No, it's fantastic. And, and you're also a big Liverpool fan, which makes you the perfect guest, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, when did you first become a Red? Do you remember like your first match, first memories? Yeah, I guess it's um, it's probably a similar story for most people, really. I mean, again, some, some people might bail on what their parents bring them up on a couple of years down the line, but my dad was a big Red. Yeah. Most of my family is a Red. So uh, my uncle hates us, hates us all. <laughs> Won't watch me wrestling because I'm allowed a bird on my gear. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the story as old as time, isn't it? My, my dad loves Liverpool. He brought me up on Liverpool. And um, I'd say one of my one of my oldest memories, we used to, he used to take us to the game whenever he could. He worked you know, long hours, but whenever he was free and there was a game on, he would take us there. So I watched the majority of my football when I was a bit younger. But the one that sort of sticks in my head was just after Liverpool won the treble the 2000-2001 yeah. yeah yeah so it's that season and uh, when they came <clears> back Joe for the bus tour oh, yeah. we were all in the street like you can't really forget that can you so that's always stuck with me and just seeing everyone buzzing off that and seeing the team up celebrating and everything that's that's probably a more vivid image that I've got than any particular one match when I was sort of 10 years old but you, you still get you still get to the game though I mean for instance you with the Brighton 5-1 game weren't you yeah we were talking about this just yeah. before you know uh, I'm a full-time professional wrestler now and especially on the independent level I don't have any time to myself I barely have time to breathe barely have time to think so I get to the game whenever I can unfortunately it's nowhere near as much as I'd like to but as I said earlier you know, so when for, can I go? What's, a, what's a typical week for you schedule wise just for those that don't know because I mean a lot of people me included just think oh you turn on the tally these fellas just turn up <laughs> rock up and then you know and that's yeah. it and they lead this back glamorous lifestyle when actually the, the the opposite is true yeah. well I got uh, we'll just go forwards then so this week I'm teaching in Magal tonight uh, I've actually got a rare day off tomorrow but I've got to see my bed because she's on my back <laughs> uh, I'll be teaching again on Thursday uh, I'm teaching on Friday so there'll be seminars where it'll be all day but then Saturday I fly to Dublin to wrestle for OTT I fly back Sunday morning to wrestle for Future Shock in Manchester Monday morning I fly to Denmark I'll be in Denmark for a week. I think it's up until Sunday morning. We've got teaching in the day and shows every night. I fly back Sunday morning to wrestle in Manchester again. 
and then I might get a day off on Monday before I'm back out on Tuesday. Um, in August, early August, fly out to the States and I'm going on tour with Progress Wrestling. We're going New York, Boston, Seattle, Detroit, Philadelphia, somewhere else that I'm forgetting. But then I f we, we're over there sort of two and a half weeks, just shows every single day. I actually get a day off on my birthday in New York, which I'm looking forward to. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. You have, to, you have to give it um, up and see Brian and Cavity feel so I'll drop a word in. Someone's looking over me there. So I've got one day off in New York on my birthday and then it's back to it. I think then we travel to Detroit the next day. But when I come back from the States, I'm coming home for a day to see my girlfriend and then I fly out to China for another show out in China. And then when we get back from there, it's NXT UK at the end of August. How, how, how do you find China? Because you've been there before. Yeah, China's amazing. It's <clears throat> it's just like nowhere else, nowhere else in the world. It was actually my first international booking I ever took. So before that, the only place I'd ever been abroad was on a lad's holiday to Magaluf. And then I was, a, bit, uh, a bit of a jump. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit different. Change of pace there. Yeah. So I went from uh, being on the beach with four of my mates for four days, and then suddenly I went to China by myself for two months. Uh, but we didn't go to Beijing or somewhere like that, which is quite touristy and there's you know, English-speaking people. I went right into the thick of it. So I went to Hong Kong for three days while they sorted out my visa. I thought that was that was enough of a change for me. I was. I could have gone home basically and I could have told everyone how crazy my life was but instead I had to get on a bus to go across the border into Shenzhen which is the bottom of China then get on a flight and we flew into the central China which is Chongqing and there they I hope it doesn't come across wrong because it's just it's just a fact they, they haven't seen white people before so let alone have they not seen a young lad who's six foot four walking around and um, I got on the I got on the flight so obviously it's an internal flight in China with a load of people who were just going home. Just everyone yeah. on that flight was Chinese. So again, no one spoke English, yeah. not even close to speaking English. They could say hello and they thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And you're not like inconspicuous a wrestler as oh, well. Oh no, no. So I got on this flight and my head was scraping along the roof and the second I took one foot onto the flight, every single set of eyes spun around and started staring at me and I used to just well, hello, hello. And I sat down and the girl and then grandma, whoever it was that was sat next to me, were just staring at me for 10 minutes, didn't say a word to me. And then they just got out their phone and just took a selfie with me. <laughs> how do um, how do the promotions change region by region all over the world? Are they more or less broadly the same or is there, is there wild differences between who you, yeah. where you're wrestling, who you're wrestling for, etc.? Stylistically, it is very different. Um, so like the scene over in Japan and the Chinese scene does it mirrors the Japanese scene. They're very similar. It's a lot more a lot more hard hitting, and um, it's really like sports based. They want to see a, a clean fight between these guys, and then obviously like the more American style is a lot more Conor McGregor, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. More the showbiz style. A little bit more showbiz, but even then, I mean, th there's so many different things that go into wrestling that I just I don't think half the people give us any sort of credit for it's, it's the ultimate variety show so on on one show you can have the silliest funniest thing you've ever seen in your life followed by a battle to the death between two lads who are taking it deadly seriously and that's just within one show in this country in any country I'd say the biggest differences weren't necessarily stylistically the biggest difference for me wrestling in China was that they couldn't speak English so I had to literally just get in there and you know 
do movements with them to explain what we were about to do. And just luckily, they're all half my size, so I could just throw them around. And try and tell a story with the action in the ring rather than your words as well. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. How does a skinny young lad, teenager from a goal, how does he find himself in this position? How do you, how do you wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a professional wrestler? How did it come about? Do you know what? I don't know. People ask me this all the time. I don't really know. There was never one moment where something changed or something clicked. I just, I just never grew up. I just always wanted to be a wrestler. And I said to myself, I'm going to do this. And then I just kept on doing it, yeah. I guess. I mean, you like, started training at 16, didn't you? Yeah, 15. 15. Yeah, yeah. So I had to, bra I had to blag that I was 16 because you needed parental permission to start <laughs> if you weren't 16. And I asked my dad if I could do it. And he said, absolutely not not a chance he came down on me really hard he said no um i was doing quite well at school so i think he always wanted me to just pursue school and you know become an accountant do something along those lines and uh, so i said to him yeah that's fine and i just snuck out you know just like anything you can't if someone wants to do something badly enough you're not gonna not do it are you so yeah i did it for two and a half years without telling him uh, i just used to sneak out every morning i don't know how he wasn't on to it to be honest i still take do you think he was quietly no no, no, because of when he did find out. <laughs> we always used to discuss this, and I've ridden for it now because I had already had bookings. I'd been wrestling on little shows, and I had gear, knee pads, boots, kick pads at the time, and I used to hide them in the back of my guitar amp. And then I went from getting up at 12 every Saturday to suddenly getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning and going out to get my two buses and a train to get to the training school. And my dad asked me one day, he's like, What's going into you? You're getting up early. So, trying to make the most of my weekends dad which is a lie from a 15 year old <laughs> lad isn't it <laughs> that is a lie but all my mates used to say the same thing they were saying like oh i think he knows and he's just too embarrassed to pull you on it and then uh, i wrote out a cv for a little part-time job and spoke about wrestling in it and left it at the side of my computer by accident and he found it and um it hit the fan so <laughs> he went mad he went nuts and he didn't talk to me for two weeks <laughs> until eventually he said he pulled me into the living room and I'd been training in the two weeks that we didn't speak. And he pulled me in and he said, you know what, like, obviously I can't stop you. I just don't, you know, I don't appreciate it, but I can't stop you from doing it. I'll support you. Just promise me one thing. Just promise me you just won't throw each other around. So I said, I promise that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you still got your degree in accountancy and finance. You went to John Moore's, didn't yeah. you? Uh, but at the same time, you know, you were starting to make a name for yourself across the Northwest. And the British scene wasn't then what it is now. It was a lot smaller. There wasn't as much attention on it. Oh, definitely, yeah. The, the, it's weird because I, the scene has grew with me. Not necessarily saying that it's all down to me, because it's not. It's down to a, an entire generation of lads in the same position of me. And we've all put our heads together and we've all made this happen, basically. We've forced it to happen. But because um, it has sort of grew with, with me, you are right there, you know, early years and obviously university. I, I can't even, can't remember how old you are at university now. It's all blurred. But when we were at university, I wasn't very old. I was doing like little shows and this and that. But it was still all I ever wanted to do. I just always thought I've got height on my size. Do you know, I'm, I'm going to go over to the States one day and make, make a million pounds. And uh, things like we had dissertations to do and all that stuff. And there's a direct correlation between my wrestling career and my grades. <laughs> I won um, some sort of award in year nine for being the best at maths. And that was why my dad was always like, no, forget about wrestling. You're going to do this. Yeah. And then by the time it came to handing in my dissertation at uni, I was wrestling at Brit Rest Fest in London under Alex Shane. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, I actually had the dissertations hand in that night 
and I was only half done and I just submitted it I thought okay I don't need a degree yeah. I'm going to be a world famous wrestler well well uh, play, it was worth sticking with I mean you, you wrestled you say for companies like Future Shot Wrestling in Manchester uh, Grand Pro Wrestling in Wigan uh, New Generation Wrestling in Hull um, and, and you went you originally you went by a different name but then you settled on Zach Gibson yeah. and you started using these elements of Liverpool Football Club and the city of Liverpool in your persona how did you kind of settle on that and develop that as part of your personality Do you know I think it is as well I think it's as you get older so when, like I say there, when I was a, when I was a bit younger and I was like heavily like really getting into my wrestling so I've always had a couple of different hobbies like I like wrestling I like surfing I like football um, but wrestling was just the one that I wanted to pursue more and um, when I was first getting into that, all I could see was like the bright lights of WWE. I wanted to get over there. And then even as I started getting into it, I just wanted to travel. And then it seemed like the more I traveled, the more I just missed Liverpool. So the more nights out I had to spend in Manchester, the more I thought, like, this city's rubbish. I hate it, yeah. <laughs> and then when I had to travel up to Scotland, I just thought, like, oh, it's all right, but it doesn't have a strip of bars quite like Liverpool. Oh, yeah. And then the more I'd spend time with like Londoners and Southerners, I said they're not as nice as Scousers, they're not as welcoming. And it made me actually like miss this city more. And then that just started coming through. I think the more bitter I got to a couple of weeks I had to spend in Manchester. It's not quite, it's not quite the Northern Lights in my goal, is it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny though because you, you, you sort of embraced, you know, your roots and you took on all these different elements. Yeah. So for those who don't know, you know, you started coming down to the ring to like a punk rock cover, uh, the addicts punk rock cover, you know, or cologne. The live a bird on your trunks and even like your moves you've got your finished finishing move is the shankly gates this grounded wrist lock submission and you've got moves named after beatles songs the helter skelter you know your brain buster uh, ticket to ride um it, you know you embraced all those elements of of liverpool and that created um it, it gave you such a strong identity but also an identity that in a lot of parts of the country <laughs> doesn't go down too well with fans i mean uh, the first time i saw you in action was um the preston city wrestling uh, i think it was in spring 2013 and you're in like a royal rumble match and it was just weeks after the luis suarez Branislav Ivanovic affair and uh, so Zach comes out in his, in his red kit you know gets down to the ring already getting booed and cheered and the usual sort of chance you can imagine and then he goes and bites Joey Hayes arm <laughs> this wrestler from Wigan and, and obviously straight away everyone thinks of Suarez and the place just erupts I mean when did you realise oh, I'm onto something here you know this, this really works it was just really really organic to be honest and like people have joked about it Jim Smallman you know he's runs Progress Wrestling he's actually a stand-up comedian as well and he always jokes about it being sort of the last acceptable form of racism is take the mick out of Scousers I think it just it speaks more to the people from Liverpool rather than it does to the others because Scousers can just you know they can take it on the chin and have a laugh about it and it's just a load of banter at the end of the day isn't it like you, you hear much worse stuff shouted at the game some of the atrocities that you hear shouted from the away end over our way and vice versa it's um it just adds to the whole atmosphere of everything and i kind of wanted to harness that a little bit and that's all it came from and then just to stick up for suarez a little bit because he takes a lot of stick and i like suarez i always have <laughs> i'll i've been on record before of just saying he's not a very good example to kids so i'm not trying to say that they should be doing this but in his defense it is just fight or flight, isn't it? You know, he's not the biggest lad. He wasn't exactly going to square up and knock someone out, is he? He's just 
playing the card he's been dealt. He's got big old teeth. <laughs> he's he's back into a corner. <laughs> he's going to bite someone. So Tom, I mean, Lewis Suarez, just to jump a couple of years because he was like the last genuine middle class player yeah. Liverpool had up until. Talking, talking about your uh, ring entrance down in Wembley yeah. the um, Mo Salah what do you make of him oh, new, con- new contract signs it's the best I, I've just been talking about this actually with a couple of my mates so him signing on for five years that's a big deal not just for him like you say in there Joe, he's world class and by himself he makes a difference in the team you, you have him on surrounded by anyone he, he brings the best out of everyone because he is world class but I do think it's good when it comes to Joe trying to secure Mane for longer basically he'll look at someone like Salah signing off for five years and surely that's going to be a calming effect on everyone so I think it's only going to be good for the team anyone else thinking about coming to Liverpool with a player like Salah with everything that he's achieved in the last year so do, you, do you see your career in the ring rise and almost in a parallel line to Liverpool Football Club over the next few seasons I hope so yeah I really hope so I mean we actually had it I had a show in London that had like a 1978 theme and it was the day after the Champions League final and I was watching it in town with all my mates and I was dying just praying for us to win on two levels one as a fan because obviously you know it's everything it's everything the team's about you want to see them bring the European Cup back home but then on the other hand, I was wrestling in London the next day. I had already bought the 78 kits to walk out in, uh, just to get under the skin a little bit more. And what I thought was going to be one of my proudest moments <laughs> just turned into a public execution while I stood up on the stage. I mean, when you're wrestling down for progress in London, they call it heat in wrestling sort of terminology, getting heat from the crowd. And people always say you get nuclear heat. <laughs> like people just lose their minds down there when you get going. I mean, and it's all sort of, it built up even further when you, you sort of develop this uh, new intro, uh, introduction for yourself when you come down to yeah. the ring. And how, how do you think of these things? Tell us the story behind that. And tell us people what it is. People might not know what it is you say when you come down to the ring. Um, it's quite kind of a broad question. That. <laughs> <laughs> Get everyone in is what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, I wanted to I've, I've always enjoyed talking and talking's a big part of anything like this you know we, we spoke earlier before we actually started saying the highest grossing fight in general recently has been McGregor versus Mayweather and they didn't draw based off the actual fight that they had because if anyone watched it it was boring as anything <laughs> I was like watching paint dry huh. it was all because of the hype and because of the way McGregor talks and the way he runs people down it's just like that in any sport any any sort of entertainment and um, I wanted to make the most of the way that I talk I wanted to make the most of all the little you know just what makes Liverpool Liverpool all the little mannerisms that I've stolen from the last train home or any little mannerisms that I've stolen from being sat in the cop end and just hearing some of the awful things going out of people <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to take it all I wanted to actually like I'm proud of where we're from so I wanted to show that off and uh, it was on the way to a big tournament in London which is a, it's the Strong Style 16 the progress run that's got 16 of the best wrestlers from around the world on the independent scene and everyone's looking to steal the show so anything shy of you know taking a couple of months off your career isn't gonna be memorable on those shows because everyone's out there doing absolutely everything they can I still went in there to do that as well but I just thought I need to do something else so I started doing my own ring announcing instead I'd steal a microphone off Jim Smallman so we couldn't do my intro and um, yeah it, it literally just came from like all the cliches that people try to take the mick out of us for I thought I'll take that and I'll spin it and I'll throw it back in their face and then I just did it 
again and again and again, just repetition, just to get under the skin. So, uh, so how does that, how does that play out? Like when you're doing, you, so say so you're doing a, a gig in Manchester or, or in London, and you just nip over the Tesco, and someone recognises you, but they see you as you know in, yeah. in character, so to speak. I mean, it gets me a lot of stick. So like we. And just recently at the um how does that feel though being <laughs> to be honest i mean it's it's gratification because it's it's what i'm trying to do yeah so in in liverpool i get such a mixed reaction it's weird you know people the liverpool fans generally want to support me the everton fans jump all over me and want me want my head but when we're in london we went into a show at the alexandra palace and we were with some Americans getting a taxi in. And I knew them a little bit, but I don't think, it was one of the first few times I'd actually met them, so they didn't fully know what to expect. And when we got off, we had to walk past the queue just a little bit, and there's a good 2,000 people in the queue. And we hadn't even done anything yet, we hadn't started, and the whole queue was just booing, throwing stuff over at us. <laughs> people throw toilet rolls at you, I've seen, like toilet <laughs> rolls getting thrown in the ring. I mean, all the sort of chants that you hear at football matches, yeah. you get all the usual chants at Scousers at Liverpool, fans of Liverpool players. And, and you just go out there and you're just basically saying, I'm, I'm the best in Liverpool, I'm gonna be the best in the UK, I'm gonna be yeah. the best in the world, and just ram it down their throats, basically. It just works wonderfully, doesn't it? Yeah, it's. It, it's just, like I say, it's just taking everything that we do, you know. It's like just being in a away match, basically. It's like being in a away match. When I went to watch Brighton, it was the last game I went to, uh, and even then, just to sort of call back to where we were before, the only reason why I got to go to the Brighton game is because I was wrestling in Brighton that night. So I got to, and there was an early kickoff, so I got to go down, watch them, and then go and do the show. And that was the easiest night of my life because we won 5-1. So I just got to walk out and just ram that down their throats. But everything I'm shouting at them, was just everything that we were shouting at them a couple of hours earlier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I strongly believe that Liverpool is one of the best clubs in the world. It's got some of the best supporters. I don't don't know many teams that are more passionate about everything that they do, and that's just all any other sport is, isn't it? So you just harness that, harness that energy, harness that passion, and then just go and take it a different way. So I just say that I'm Liverpool's number one, soon to be recognised as the UK's number one, soon to be recognised as the world's number one. I just kept on repeating that and repeating it. The more it took off, now they try to not let me speak. So they boo the second I take them so out. How does that feel when you've got like an arena full of people giving giving it the big one towards you? For me, it's uh, the boos are my cheers. So yeah. I know it sounds a bit hokey, it sounds a bit corny, but that's the reaction that I'm looking to get in the same way that when... It's a fuel. Yeah, yeah, when Heath Ledger played the Joker, you know, he wanted to be the best villain in cinematic history didn't he so I want to be the best villain in wrestling but then I've also sort of carved out this little niche where it's not quite like anything that's came before it because I'm not just a bad guy because I've jumped someone from behind or anything like that I take I do that as well <laughs> but, but I take things from the city and I take things from pop culture and things that are relevant and happening right now and then put it into the act and so it's turned into a thing where i'm not necessarily a villain or a hero i'm just i'm just me and then you make your own mind up if you want to cheer me you cheer me if you want to boo me you boo me and that's kind of where it's gone it's a bit a more three-dimensional yeah it's took yeah. on a little life of its own and i'm no longer you can't sort of pigeonhole me into one thing i think that winds some people up i guess some tweets sometimes of people trying to you're trying to put it in a box and trying to put a label on it and it's just you can't do that too many wrestling fans do that nowadays. You just gotta take a little step back and just just enjoy it for it is. I mean, the worst thing in wrestling is apathy. 
Yeah. The worst thing a wrestler can have is no reaction. Yeah. And as long as you're getting a strong reaction when you're going out, then the people promoting the show are going to be pleased with you. The people, the fans are engaged. Funny enough, you are right there because that was another thing that helped me put this persona together when a couple of people tried to warn me about it saying, I don't know if this is right because some people support Liverpool and they'll want to cheer for you and then other people hate it with a passion. They'll want to boo you and you might never get one reaction ever again. But I just said to them, I used the example of John Cena. Yeah. Absolutely top of the game. And um, in a lot of venues around the world, he gets booed out the building. But he's a he's a hero. He's a real-life superhero. He goes and does make a wish every every half an hour, every day, it seems. Yeah, yeah, he's constantly doing good things. The hardest working man. <laughs> Literally the hardest working man in any industry. Yeah. I've never seen anyone like it. And uh, he gets these kind of mixed reactions. And I just thought it was that exact point. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily matter as long as, as long as they're doing something, as long as they care. Do you know, in you watch football, it's not one clear side cheering for one, is it? It's our supporters against their supporters. And I, I just like that in wrestling. Yeah. That's a different dynamic too. I mean, when, when we, um, the first time I interviewed you was back in 2014. I remember you not long had tryouts with WWE yeah. and they said to you, you know, you've got to get more international experience. You've got to keep, you know, working hard. You've got to build up your physique. And, and you were like, well, that's what I'm going to do. So like, you know, you went to China, to Germany, to Italy, to all those countries you've listed. I mean, I've seen some of the tours. They look like you have a lot of fun on some of them, um, especially when all the lads go out with you. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. So yeah. The first tour of China that I did was just me by myself for two months. And um, that, was, that was hard work. I still had a great time. I eventually found, I think there was literally like three people who spoke English and they weren't wrestlers, they weren't wrestling fans. I just met them because they had obviously learned how to speak the language. Um, and were interested in trying to speak the language. So I met them and I just clung to them because I was there for two months by myself, it was hard. But then the boss invited us back the following year and he wanted to bring over a team of Westerners. So myself, Pete Dunn, um, CJ Banks, a couple of others, we all went over there and we were meant to be out there for two months again, except we only lasted a month this time. We had a great time, I mean, yeah, just, I, I, I know you did. I saw a few pictures. It looked like you did. <laughs> it's just a different world over there as well. Though. It's, like, it's not like jumping on a flight and going over to Barcelona where there's a couple of different cultural differences. Yeah. It's a completely different world. Up is down and left is right. Everything's different. And um, we had real troubles with the boss overpaying everyone because I think he just bit off more than he could chew. He kept on saying it was China style and then we had to wait an extra week to get paid. And we put our foot down and said, no, we just refused to wrestle until he paid us. And we had to go and hunt down his office and gate crash his uh, <laughs> holiday firm that he ran to try and... Otherwise, because, you know, some people might think a big group of wrestlers breaking into this guy's office. I didn't break him, but, you know, storming this guy's office is a bit of an aggressive image to picture. But we were in the other side of the world and our visas ran out in two or three days so it was panic stations a little bit yeah. and uh, the boss just disappeared he just turned off his phone did a runner left us abandoned over there but all these little you know, that's what comes with the job I think so even though it's hard work now I tell that story every single time I speak to people <laughs> uh, I wouldn't change a thing no I mean and then as you gained experience you know we started seeing you on TV and you were part of a few different projects over the years you were part of the revival so I could get that out properly the revival of uh, you used to say yeah thanks <laughs> of ITV's World of Sport the first time around when it was on New Year's Eve you were, you were part of that pilot and then that didn't go ahead for one reason or another. And at the same time, you've got WWE UK was launching the, the first United Kingdom Championship tournament in like the January. 
and I think you've said before you know you're a bit envious looking at those guys thinking I could have been a part of that oh, yeah. um, everything I've ever done in my in my career has been to get to the WWE that's always been the end goal so every one of those tours in China when I was just sat in my hotel room with nothing to do no one to speak to um, the only thing I did when I was in China was just go to the gym and eat CSC which is a knockoff KFC I used to eat that five times a day because I didn't know one else to eat every single time I was eating there I was still happy because I knew I was getting one step closer to this and even the ITV pilot I took that to get closer to the WWE and it just so happened that it actually blocked me from the first tournament so that was devastating for me I really wanted to be a part of it from day one but again like it's just down to what you do with these things I could have sulked and sat at home and beat myself up over it but instead I just took it made it a positive I opened Fighting Spirit Wrestling Muggle because I had a bit more time on my hands now um, I went back to China again started pushing for more independent bookings went back over to Germany back over to Denmark and then this time when they came knocking again I was free and I was able to jump in and then yeah, now I'm I mean, where I am I mean Fighting Spirit you, you're Jim and Muggle that's with James Drake who's another WUK star part of NXT UK and the two of you then formed a, a tag team at Progress Wrestling you won the Progress Wrestling Tag Team Championship and obviously I imagine training you know stars of the future you also get to work together work on your moves and develop yourselves as a tag team so it's like a win-win situation yeah. for you it was Progress who asked us to go together in the team and um, I've known JD since he was 13 when he started training so I've known him you know majority of my life and it was just one of those things where we said if we we're going to do it we we're going to do it right so we did take the extra time out to put strategies together and I had to take the time out to say look this is the Liverpool stuff I'm not going to stop doing that you're going to have to jump on this a little bit he gave me a few of his bits and we just put our heads together and we just went at it properly and it's really paid off Yeah, we got invited back over to China to defend the progress belts but we went over as a team did that um, we went over to the States and we're going back to the States as a tag champ so it's just really good yeah and then early this year you were part of a televised arena tour with um, five star wrestling and it, it, you know we weren't sure what to expect from it but you ended up being one of the main focuses of the programming and, and certainly you know the early episodes it was all about you coming out and running down these international <laughs> stars and you know at the Echo Arena there you are in your home city the Echo Arena and you're beating the hell out of Rey Mysterio who's like a, a household name you know it, it's crazy crazy uh, situation to find yourself in but again you made the most of that opportunity yeah I think a couple of people saw it and thought because it was a <laughs> it was a shambles <laughs> I, don't I was going to let you say it rather than me I don't think I need to say that anymore to be honest I think enough people have watched it or heard about it and heard stories from enough people now that the organisation was poor and uh, the direction was poor and we were doing three hours of live television where they were just saying right you know you get a script which had six lines written on it and they were telling you you've got half an hour of live television to fill yeah so we had, we had to just make up stuff. You've got to learn faster now. Yeah, what are you going to do? It was just trial by fire. Um, but I like talking. So they gave us a microphone and said, go and fill 15 minutes. And uh, I said, is there anything I can't say? And he's probably very regrettably said no. <laughs> <laughs> you were taking shots at him. <laughs> <laughs> so I just went 15 minutes just burying the company. But, but people responded to it because they could see what they were actually... So they could see some of the mistakes. So there was all the best um, interviews, promos, whatever you want to call them, they're based on the truth. So I just gave them a little bit of truth. Yeah, a little bit of realism. And then around that time, you do get signed by WWE. So eventually, you know, these dreams come full circle. You know, you've gained all this experience, you've had your ups, you've had your downs, and then you're flying out to WrestleMania in New Orleans. 
Um, I mean, what was that like? It was unreal. I, mean, I was over there to wrestle with Progress as well. Um, but like you say, they, yeah, they picked me up, they asked me to go and do WrestleMania access. So my first match in a WWE ring was as part of their WrestleMania weekend. And it's just it's surreal to see yourself walking out, to see your name up, in, up on the screen. And then um, just to bring it back a little bit to you know why we're here in the first place they, they didn't change anything I remember for years people telling me oh well when you go over there they're going to change your name or they're going to change your appearance and you'll be Neville Bamshoot and you'll come out in <laughs> brown tights and you're just going to have to be generic wrestler number one it couldn't be further from the truth the amount of lies that I've heard told on podcasts and interviews and then I get there and it's it's just the best place to, I can't say a bad word about them I got there they're encouraging me to still do what I want to do uh, they've not changed the thing they like that I've got the live bears they wanted to know what the story was behind them they wanted because I've got the Shankly Gates actually printed on my trunks on the back as well they wanted to hear the history about that and they wanted to know about it so they love it the first entrance video that they made for me had a big live bird coming up in the middle and like football swinging across it and everything so it was unreal to be in that scenario which I always wanted but then to realise that it's actually me still there they've not changed the thing they've, they've let me everything that I've built over the last 12 years of wrestling yeah. they've harnessed it and they want to run with that was, was it almost like an out of body experience? oh definitely and like the people that are so after being with WWE for two weeks I already felt better I felt like I was twice the performer straight away because the brains that they've got behind the scenes so uh, we just ran the NXT UK show at the Royal Albert Hall first off that's a, something I never thought I'd say I main event at the Royal Albert Hall two nights on the trot I don't think any, any wrestler's ever done that to be honest so yeah absolutely uh, I, no, I, can't, I can't name one I think that's me now <laughs> <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but then when you're there I was still wrestling some lads that I've wrestled before I mean even though it's a historic venue I'm in London so it's not it's not too far it's not something too crazy and even though the handbook up had say WWE I was so f focused on everything because it was such a big opportunity to sink or swim and you have to rise to the occasion so I was so laser focused on everything and then basically I won the tournament on night one so I wrestled three times in the night and won the tournament and it was only really then that it hit me because suddenly I've got Johnny Saint who's a British wrestling legend coming to the ring to shake my hand and celebrate uh, and then Shawn Michaels and Triple H and that was when I thought this is this isn't witness Working men's club. <laughs> this is the real deal. This. <laughs> so, so we're not in scam anymore. No. Yeah. I started training in Runcorn in a little community centre yeah. with all barbed wire and spikes all around it, and then I'm at the Royal Albert Hall shaking Triple H's hand. It's uh, it's unreal. I mean, yeah, what an image. I mean, to be there with Shawn Michaels. Like, uh, like Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It was just surreal. It was surreal to be watching it as a, as a, as a, as a fan, as, a, as someone writing about it. You know, I've seen. Zach wrestle at Ormskirk Civic Hall <laughs> in like nightclubs in Preston social clubs in Wigan and that's every nightclub in Preston generally <laughs> <laughs> but you know to go from there and, and some great shows great talent uh, British wrestling is alive and well and the great thing in the moment is you can go and see a lot of these stars that are now part of WWE you could go see this weekend up and down the country there's so many good promotions in the UK and the product is fantastic but when WWE are involved there's just a production level there's a there's a level of the presentation it's, it's, Holly, it's Hollywood isn't it? yeah it's, it's just Hollywood. next yeah. tier it's next yeah. level and, and when you've got like one of the world's best commentators Mara Ranallo, uh 
he's screaming about Bob Paisley and Bill Shankly during one of your <laughs> matches. You know, he's explaining to the audience, you know, all these Yanks have tuned in on the WWE Network and then what on earth is this about? You know, and he's explaining the, the significance of the Shankly gate. So that's so cool on, on two levels because yeah. it's getting across you as a character and you as a performer, but also Liverpool and the city and its history. And, you know, when they say, oh, you've just hit the ticket to ride or the Helter Skelter, it, it's just it's just so cool for you as a Liverpoolian. Yeah, they, are, uh, they are coming to Liverpool now, so... We've got a few dates lined up for NXT UK, go to Cambridge first, Birmingham, Plymouth, but in November, they're coming to the Liverpool Olympia, the old Grafton, we'll be there two nights on the trot. Is, is this public knowledge? Is this a bit of an exclusive? No, <laughs> exclusive. I wish it was, I wish it was an exclusive. No. It's, well, it's well known, yeah, it's going to be at the Olympia Olympia, and that's an iconic venue for next, wrestling. Next to the Grafton. Yeah. yeah. 24th and 25th of November. And what a place that would be if you were to win the UK title oh, there. I know, like, I don't. I, sh- I know you shouldn't look forward to stuff, but I really can't wait because half of my career has always been about little ins and outs all around town, and you know, wrestling in like Runcorn. I know it's not Liverpool, Runcorn just outside Liverpool. Witness. I did um, Grand Central Hall yeah. in Liverpool. Ran there for a couple of years. A Fusion nightclub wrestled in there. Just all these little dives and everything. I've done the Liverpool. I've done the Echo Arena, but I've still not properly done the Echo Arena so I'd like to get back to there with the WWE one day but the Olympia I've wrestled there before but I think WWE is going to be another level they're going to they're going to pack the place out they're going to bring all their production all their stars and everything so you, you, you talk about WWE and what it was like uh, with Shawn Michaels and Triple H whatever when that and that moment when the penny dropped you know we talk about the turnbuckles and one thing and the other has that made you even more has that whetted your appetite even more Oh, definitely. Then, you know, as opposed to going, right, I've made it now. Is that, is that just spared you on even more to... Uh, when I first started wrestling, I wanted to just wrestle. That was it. It was more like a hobby. So I, I play five-a-side, I go surfing just on a local beach, and I wanted to wrestle in a ring. And that was my first goal. I thought, if I can just wrestle in a ring, that'll be it. And then you achieve that, and it's not enough. So I thought, no, okay, if I just wrestle in front of a paying audience, and then I did that, and that wasn't enough. So then I wanted a bigger audience, then I wanted to wrestle abroad. Then I wanted to wrestle on TV. Then I wanted to wrestle for the WWE. Like I don't think I'll truly be happy until I either retire and I can look back and appreciate what I've done, or until I'm at the very top of the bill, like WWE champion. There's never been a British-born um, heavyweight champion in WWE, and I'm six foot four. <laughs> I can talk, which is what they like. I think I've proved myself on that. I can do the bigger matches, so that's the that's the main goal. That always has been. I think I want to get over there now. I want to do a full tour. I've had little tastes of it. Royal Albert Hall sold out. So you've, got, match you've, you've conquered all of Europe, so to speak, and now you want to do it over the water. I won over in Paris. <laughs> you know how the sun goes. <laughs> well, that's the bit I was going to get onto uh, the UK tournament. So the, the early round was at Download Festival, which is just yeah. crazy to, to be wrestling one minute, next minute you're off to see Guns N' Roses. And then the tournament itself on that on that first night, you wrestled, I don't know, 40, 50 minutes in all, like three I think matches. It was just shy of an hour in the end. Yeah, I mean, that's, you must have been shattered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you have this moment, this congratulations with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Johnny Saint. And then finally, the moment like all the fans have been waiting for, it felt like WWE had kept everyone waiting. You finally got a microphone in your hand. And it's like, oh, what's he going to do here then? And there you are. Ale, ale, ale. Bit of a reworking, you know, how to troll a London crowd. I mean, that was just brilliant. 
Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> they had asked me to do like a really heartfelt speech at the end. <laughs> You're calling everyone rats. <laughs> they, said, they said, you know, just tell us all how it means to you. And I was like, ah, oh, I've kind of got this thing in the back of my head that I want to do. And um, it was, they, they basically like, they said, you know what, you, do, you just do what feels right. And so um, I had that, that sat in my back pocket for a little while, well, a while sort of reworded in a valley, LA, LA. Just because you see, you know, when the when the stadiums are bouncing with that song or the pubs and anything like that, you can't really, you know, you can't describe it, can you? So I wanted to harness that, and then I just made sort of threw in my own little bits to show that it's not, it's not just Liverpool. It's it's me with Liverpool going on. You've sort of alluded to it earlier, like Liverpool are growing and we're we're going back yeah, to where we wanted yeah. to be, and it feels like we're sort of both moving along so I kind of wanted yeah. to put that over and then obviously just the I just wanted to rub it in their noses <laughs> I hate it when people you see them all and they say like to everyone that said I would never do it thank you for inspiring me oh, you didn't yeah. inspire me you told me not to do it <laughs> you tried to say you're not taking an ounce of this so to all the people in the crowd they said I couldn't that was just a big middle finger to them I think yeah but it, I mean, it was heartfelt too though because you, you were mentioning you know Bill Shankly and Bob Paisley but you also mentioned uh, Doc Dean and Robbie Brookside who wrestled as the Liverpool lads like you know British tag team champions late 80s early 90s you mentioned uh, Gypsy John Kenny yeah. uh, from Witness who's obviously been influenced in your career helped, helped train you helped develop you um, so there were nods to your to yeah. the city's past at the same time yeah. as you were rubbing everyone's nose in it so <laughs> so it was it was perfect really and Robbie um, Robbie's like a die hard blue as well so he was torn when I got backstage he sort of like congratulated me and then gave me a punch in the arm because uh, obviously I dropped his name in thanking him for it yeah. but also I was laughing because he hates you know it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah he hates Liverpool he just got a big mention in a Liverpool song so the uh, I'm just looking then so 25th of November is the big night of the Olympia isn't it uh, the yeah, 24th and 25th. It's Saturday and Sunday, basically. And tickets are still available? Yeah, yeah Live Nation. Live oh, Nation. Oh, good. get down there. No, it'll be really good. Me and Neil go on a date, what do you reckon? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be really good, because as well as that, you know, some people, um, you can see a lot of the talent up and down in different independent shows. Like I say, I'm still, I'm still wrestling Saturday and Sunday for independence. I'm wrestling in Denmark for independence. But just like anything, you know, there's a difference in Liverpool when they're playing a friendly or when they're yeah. playing in the Champions League final and when you're at NXT UK that's that's the Champions League final that's what Royal Albert Hall was for me and unfortunately it was the very similar result but just got again didn't you? Yeah I mean yeah sadly you didn't win the title the next night against uh, Pete Dunne but it, but it was a great match and I've got to ask you about something during the match now, I'm not sure what you think about this. I think it's the woolest thing I've ever seen. But everyone suddenly started shouting, shoes off if you hate Gibson. They're all standing there with their shoes in the air, like two thirds of, of the Royal Albert Hall with one shoe in their hand. What's the story behind Shoes that? off if you hate Gibson. I mean, like, how do you keep wrestling when that's going on? When to be honest, I it? couldn't hear what they were saying. And I was trying to, you can see there's a couple of seconds in the match where I'm just looking at them, but what is going on? I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. And like, I didn't have my glasses on. I never wear them, I probably should. So I couldn't quite even make out what was going on. And it was only just as we were about to go that it hit me what they were doing. And uh, they reacted, <laughs> they were having fun. It went viral. Like, I was a bit annoyed, if anything. Like We finished one of the best matches I've ever had. And I went on social media and everyone was sharing these videos of them all waving the shoes around. <laughs> 
I'm in, I'm in bits here. I've rested, rested an hour and a half over two days. Absolutely devastating. <laughs> no, it's obviously it's all good though because they started this chant where they said they all chant like stand up if you hate Gibson, and I, John Kenny of all people told me if ever you can get the fans to stand up once in your match, then you know you've got them. Yeah. So that every time they do that, that looks great on camera, doesn't it? It rings true in my head, and like regardless of what I've done, I've got them on their feet. So they must be, they must be doing something right. And obviously they do that multiple times throughout it. They do, if you hate Gibson, clap your hands. And I don't know, I guess it's just the British crowds. They actually make a big part of what makes the scene unique. I think you're going to see that on the NXT UK show. I think that's going to come through because it's a football crowd. We're a football country, aren't we? So if you go over to wrestle in the States, their crowds have a, a certain feel to them and they love this sort of style of wrestling where it's like work race and it's bang, 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 one after the other. Whereas the football crowds in the UK, they're all rowdy, they always get involved. It's I think the crowds in the UK make our shows so much more special than anything you'll see around the world. Yeah. And we bounce off them and they bounce off us. And it was that thing of shoes off and there was a, <laughs> I don't think the Queen's ever seen that reaction while she's been in that venue <laughs> in a little box. But they're all waving the shoes and then just at the sort of peak of them doing that, Pete Dunne sort of caught me out of mid, grabbing my hands out of mid-air and then head-butted me in the jaw and then straight away we were ready to take it serious again. That was a, a real big accomplishment for me, that match. Yeah. Um, and I like to think it's sort of cemented my spot now where I should be. Because so. yeah. he's one of the world's finest wrestlers and he is brilliant. And, and, and you showed that you're at that level, you know, with yeah. him. And I think NXT UK is going to open a lot of people's eyes, you know, beyond Britain to not just British crowds, but yeah. the British talent and the level that we've got so many talented. And for the first time, all these talented wrestlers have got a clear pathway now to WWE. So when you had it a dream as a child, it may have seemed far-fetched, it may have seemed fanciful, but if you were to start training as a wrestler at your academy now in McGull, for example, nice little <laughs> plug there, if you were to start training now as a wrestler, you know, if I'm good enough and I work hard enough. But there's pathways now. There is a pathway. I could, I could wrestle at WrestleMania one yeah. day. Uh, and that, that's just it's just so cool like I used to go on well I have gone on record multiple times saying it but like the UK wrestling scene used to be the envy of the whole wrestling world so because our style has always been catch as catch can which is like hold for hold and we were the best at actually wrestling basically yeah uh, the old you know world of sport days rounds two out of three falls and all the talent used to come over here so famous talent from Japan like Joshin Liger came to the UK without his mask and he trained here. Um, Brian Danielson, uh, Daniel Bryan, sorry. He's one of the, he's, he'll go down in the history books as one of the very best, you know, main events at WrestleMania 30. But he came over here to learn how to do some little bits and bobs and they constantly send the talent over here. But just somewhere along the way, one of the generations, I guess, they just stopped being British just got lost. and started imitating other, and they, we lost our identity a little bit. And now it's all sort of come full circle of people just, like I say before, I don't I don't want to try and even attempt to take credit for the rise of it again. But it is our generation who have all got together and gone like, no, we're, we're taking this back. And my end goal is basically to have, when you go, when you look at music, the Beatles, you, you can't talk about music without talking about the Beatles. I don't care what country you're in, the Beatles will always come up as one of the best. When you want to talk about football, you can't talk about football without talking about Liverpool. And hopefully one day when you're talking about wrestling, they're going to have to bring my name up. Brilliant. And also, the pub that I used to drink in, in Mughal, is now a Weatherspoons. The Everest, um, yeah, on the right. It's a Weatherspoons now, the F, and they've yeah. called it the, um, the Frank Hornby. The Frank Hornby. Because he's from Mughal. 
So my only new goal in life is to main event WrestleMania, be the first British-born heavyweight champion, and tell the spoons named after myself. <laughs> <laughs> and be Dave's highest, biggest ever export, biggest <laughs> named ever export. Zach that's, been, Zach, that's been absolutely brilliant. Nice one for coming in, Neil. Thank you. Oh, pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so again, uh, Live Nation for the tickets, yeah? Yeah. And uh, best of luck with everything, and thanks for coming in. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.